This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, November 3rd, 2022 edition, and the calendar doesn't lie. We are, today's Thursday, and guess what? Thanksgiving is only three Thursdays away, and after that, as they say in Game of Thrones, winter is coming. Now, for investors, the whole year has been winter, whether you're in stocks or bonds, only a few small places to hide. Uh, so it, it's a challenging environment, but it's an environment that you can learn from. You know, in sports, the coaches always say that you have to focus on the process, focus on whether you played good defense that game. How was your offense? And the end score, the final score is helpful, but it's not the whole story. Sometimes you can play well and lose. Sometimes you can play bad and win, depending on the, po- the, po- the opponent, uh, the luck that you have, uh, etc. And so same goes for the markets. Markets are good. Your portfolio is doing well. Are you really learning anything? What lessons can you take from that? Were you just a product of a good macro backdrop? And the companies that you like and are interested in and investing in just happen to do well? Teach you anything? You know, private equity has basically been in that environment for the last decade plus. Those returns look great. When the cost of capital is nothing, the business model of private equity works very, very well. Now that's shifting. Cost of capital is something again. And markets are more difficult. Just like in sports, when you're when you're playing a game, last year, yeah, the opponent was pretty easy. This year, the opponent is much harder. And you learn a lot more. You learn that, hey, maybe those fun, sexy companies that I've had been investing in, maybe I was just in the right place at the right time. Got lucky. Were you really investing in companies that were creating value for shareholders? In the tech space, in the growth space, in a lot of ways, no. And when the cost of capital goes up, you see, as Warren Buffett says, you see who is swimming naked. And in the tech space, you're seeing a lot of companies and leaders swimming naked. And so this is an environment that, while it doesn't feel exciting, while it doesn't look exciting within your portfolio, probably, it's a time where you need to sharpen your focus, sharpen your strategy, sharpen your knowledge. And that's what I'm here to help you do. I'm Justin Klein, 
and I'm on this radio show and podcast to help you make good financial decisions. Make the most of your portfolio and your capital. And so I look forward to this hour with you answering your finance and investment questions. And the phone number is always 888-99-CHART, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I've got a lot of material to discuss with you today. One is how to set proper asset allocation for retirement. I think about that short, medium, long-term and your needs, cash flow needs. It's not one size fits all. So you need a customized strategy and we're going to go over kind of the checklist to help build that customized strategy. I also want to touch on a few other things. One is the SEC is warning that the, there's heightened risk of financial fraud, especially within companies. As the economy gets weaker, business gets tougher, there's more incentive for companies to lie. And they're actually pushing on auditors, which I know you, you probably don't realize this, but auditors are not hired to find fraud. Not their main job. So we're going to look at that. Also, I-bonds, new I-bond rate update. And I'm going to give you what that new rate is. And then lastly, the treasury bond market and the volatility there. And I think that's going to be an important thing to watch as time goes on and debts continue to rise. So those are the things that are on my mind today. I also have some voice bank questions ready to play. One on how to determine a company's debt as well as Amazon. So that's all planned for this episode of Invest Talk, and of course, your live calls as well. 888 chart is the number. Now, today you had a modest down day in the markets. The S&P down about 39, call it 40 points, a little over 1%. And I'll follow through from yesterday's sell-off where the Fed is kind of talking out of both sides of its mouth from the statement, the official statement and the press conference, kind of two different tenors of uh, what they're thinking with um, monetary policy going forward over the next three, six months or so. We got a little bit of follow through. We had earnings uh, from many large companies, some good, not some other uh, others, not so good. Uh, but we didn't break any major lows. Uh, we continue to see small caps outperform. Uh, today, the Russell was down, see, only nine points. So very modest down day on the Russell 2000, whereas the NASDAQ, where the continued sell-off is, uh, continued weakness in the market, down nearly 2% on the day. On the back of higher interest rates, the 10-year higher today, although did come off pretty nicely from its highs of the day, but still was up about 6.5 basis points, but didn't break out to new highs. Said this, we had major resistance about four and a quarter on the 10-year last week, and we pulled back, and you would think a hawkish statement or a hawkish interpretation of the Fed statement would somehow uh, drive rates to new highs, and we didn't see that. So that was something uh, I, I definitely took note. We didn't get a breakout there. The dollar, which had made a series of, that, that actually peaked in the late September, 
and was making a series of lower highs throughout the month of October, had a pretty strong day today. So I'll be interested to see if that breaks out to the upside above those September highs, something I'm definitely watching. But as of yet, not quite yet. And the VIX, the volatility index, you would think market's down, volatility would be going up. Actually, no. Yesterday, volatility, the VIX was roughly flat on a big down day. Today, a modest down day overall, and the VIX was down slightly. Now, still elevated from where we were you know, last fall, but uh, starting to show some relative weakness, which once again is a positive for the markets. Uh, and so I, I think we're still in the midst of a fourth quarter rally. But so far, after this recent setback, it's now a modest rally and uh, could turn into be a, uh, continue to be a strong one. But right now, we're getting a bit of a setback, which shouldn't be a shock. Now, I'm Justin Klein. The market is unpredictable. It's always changing. So is Fed rhetoric. So are geopolitical concerns. And so you probably have finance and investment questions that you'd like to answer. And I'm ready to answer them. So give us a call now on Best Talk at 888 chart Why do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey, guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. So as long as your questions involve the stock market or general investment topics and definitions, we set no limits. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Justin and I are ready. Are you? Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. Long-time listener here from Minnesota. I have a question here. Looking for a stock that um, is a good grower and also pays a good dividend. And I found one in, uh, I believe the ticker symbol is GGG Graco. I was wondering what you thought of this company. It looks to be... um, Pretty solid grower, and I believe it pays a good dividend, too. Looks like a value stock to me, too. Would this be something that would be um, a positive add to a portfolio? Thank you. Look forward to hearing your response on the show. All right. This is Graco. GGG is the symbol. About $11 billion market cap. So kind of on the cusp of mid and large cap. And it is a consistent grower, and it just kind of pa- earnings continue to power higher. 
consistently, not at a, at a high rate, but uh, the high single digits, teens in that range generally. Earnings this year are supposed to go up 7%, up another 6% next year. Pays a 1.2% dividend, which, you know, in this environment, I like those companies that have a payout ratio of only 30%, which means there's a lot of room for them to increase that dividend, which they have been doing steadily over time. If you look at the last 10 years, they pretty much raise penny or two every single year. Uh, and, and I like that. And they have very little debt on their balance sheet. Total of only $117 million in long-term debt uh, on a market cap of $11 billion. They have actually net debt on their balance sheet. So, you know, uh, I like the setup here. And for everyone else, what they do is they're in the industrial space. They make equipment used for managing fluids, coatings, adhesives, uh, and specializing in difficult-to-handle material. So it's uh, in, has three segments, industrial, process, and contractor. Uh, it is based in Minnesota. I think the caller was from Minnesota as well. So I, I really like this type of company. Now, the big question, is it cheap? And I'm going to say, no, I don't think it's cheap, but I don't think it's expensive either. If you look at enterprise value, it's EBITDA, for example, it's trading about 18 times, which is the median for the last five years. The average is about 20. So depending on we take the median, I like the, the median more than the average because there can be outliers that, that mess with that, that average. So I would say it's fairly valued. Now, if you look at the chart and it is it has come down, it is still about 16% off a 52-week high, but it's been improving and made a series of higher highs, higher lows, and now it's above the 200-day moving average. So uh, once again, good company. I like the dividend, the ability to grow it, the lack of debt on the balance sheet, its consistency of profitability. If you look at return on equity, right now it's at about 27. The median over the last five years is 34. So I really like what you're looking at here, uh, but I wouldn't call it super cheap. It's about fairly valued. Now we're heading into a break. I welcome your finance and investment questions now. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Got a question for Steve or Justin? Hi, uh, this is Rick from Hawaii. What are your thoughts on writing put options? My wife has a rollover 401k from a previous employer. What's your question? And I'm just wondering how you're able to predict these market reversals. Right now, they've been under pressure. I think that that buying opportunity is being set up. IPOs are there for the vast majority of them to extract capital, extract money from the novice individual investor. Here's Ken in Texas. Hey, Steve. I got a lazy boy recliner that uh -huh. I love and my wife loves. Do you own it or looking to buy it? And my son makes fun of me for buying because I'm 70 years <laughs> old. But now is a good time to call Invest Talk. I listen every day. 888-99-CHART.
Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes, and be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Now, from time to time, we receive email questions, and this one came from Mr. Smith. Said, so would you be so kind as to give a quick synopsis of John Bean Technologies, JBT? I was researching the company for a potential long-term position, seven to ten years or so, possibly longer. I would hold it in a small Roth IRA as part of a larger balanced portfolio. I'm a value-oriented investor with a good understanding of business and economic cycles. As always, thank you very much for all the educational information your show provides. Thank you for sending in your question. And he's looking at JBT, John Bean Technologies. And this is an interesting one. It's an industrial company. And you know I like the industrial space, especially as we continue to onshore a lot of manufacturing. And this is a company that would supply the equipment to do more things here domestically, especially in the food industry. And it operates basically two segments, food tech and aerotech. And the food tech provides customized and turnkey industrial solutions for the food and beverage industry, including a variety of protein processing and packaging solutions, as well as fruit and juice extraction, uh, et cetera. It's aerotech is uh, has solutions for airport authorities, passenger airlines, air freight firms, defense contractors, uh, et cetera. So that business has been a bit of a drag recently, as you would expect, because the volume of flights going out over the past few years uh, has been down and still hasn't back to pre-pandemic levels. And that's why earnings in 2019 were nearly $5 per share, but learned less than $4 in 2020. And this year, still not back to pre-pandemic levels, expected to make $4.70 per share. And last quarter, this recent uh, earnings announcement, revenues were up 16%, earnings were up 25% year over year. So it's still expected to grow 16% this year and 15% next year. Solid growth, expected to be an all-time high in earnings next year. So I like that. And then if you look at its long-term profitability metrics, its return on equity over the last decade or so has averaged kind of the low low, low 20s. I like that. Okay. I like that anything over the mid to high teens is a good accretive level to shareholders, meaning they're allocating capital appropriately. Their business has some sort of economic moat typically that's shielding them from their competition. And these are the type of names that I do like. Now, it does have a little bit of debt on its balance sheet, but you know, not to a level where I'm concerned. So that's fine for me. Um, they pay a dividend of only about half a percent, but it's very, very low and uh, could easily go up over time. So although they haven't raised it since 2016, so that would make me say, I want to see that go up. I want to see them start to raise that and improve the payout to shareholders. That would one thing. That would be one thing that would make me a bit more excited uh, about investing in this business. Uh, it is down. It's down about fifty percent from its fifty-two week high, and I think it's at pretty good support. But its technicals are not great, so I would want to see some improvement from its technicals before I jump in. But if it can get above the hundred-day moving average, 
then I would probably be excited to see that new momentum and maybe buy at that point. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today concerns this headline, setting proper asset allocation for retirement. Now, most investors in their early years have a pretty standard thought process when it comes to their asset allocation. And that is stock heavy at the outset. And as you get closer towards retirement into pre-retirement, you start to transition more assets into safer, safer investments, bonds, cash, et cetera. But once you're right, closing in on retirement, there's, it's not one size fits all. It's different for everybody because everyone has different cash flow needs depending on their financial situation, their goals in retirement. Some people like to just stay home with the grandkids. Others want to play golf all the time. Others want to tra- travel the world. So that means you have to take step number one, which is determine your in, por- your in retirement portfolio needs. Now, the standard expectation is you're going to spend about 80% of your pre retirement expenses because when you're not commuting as much you're not doing the buying new clothes for work etc you're, you're you're cutting off a lot of expenses about 20 percent of your expenses now that's standard for some retirees that's they could probably reduce it even more for others that maybe retire early and they need to they might have medical expenses they have to uh pick up that their employer used to uh or once again they want to travel around the world that 80 percent might be too low Okay, and then you need to look at that need in retirement and compare it to your consistent income coming from things like Social Security, uh, pensions, etc. Okay, and then once you've done that, then you know how much you're going to need each and every year from your investments, and then you can start to plan for that post the 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 asset allocation in retirement over the next uh, typically short term, which is the first three years or so, then intermediate three to 10 years, and then 10 years and beyond. So after the break, I'm gonna get into those next steps to figure all of those out. Now on the next Investlock story behind this headline, could a classification system impose order on the expanding crypto universe? That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, 
listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. InvestTalk is here to help. And when you download the free InvestTalk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Now, before the break, I was touching on how to develop a plan for asset allocation in retirement. And the first step is to understand your in-retirement cash flow needs beyond just your income from Social Security or pensions, etc., and then once you've done that, then you can figure out your year-to-year needs uh, from your portfolio. And your what you want to do first, uh, though I guess the next step, would be to see if that spending plan is sustainable. So there's a standard 4% rule, uh, which used to be probably too high because of where interest rates were. Now the interest rates are up, I think 4% is a little more realistic. Uh, so... If you have a million dollars, you need 40,000 a year, that's 4%. That would kind of check that box. Now, that's a rough rule. Depends on it, how young you are, uh, what your life expectancy is, et cetera. So I would encourage a, a financial advisor like myself to do a full financial plan. Uh, but that's something to, uh, to think about, to, to do a basic test to see if that withdrawal rate is reasonable. Then you need to asset allocate. And the first thing is to park some short-term assets, meaning, okay, over the next three years, I'm going to need X amount per year. Let's just call it, uh, uh, let's call it $30,000 per year. I'm going to need to put aside $90,000 in cash or cash-like instruments. Now, for the first year, you probably wanted in something like a FDIC-insured high-yield savings account or money market account. Because it's highly liquid, you don't have to worry about selling assets or volatility of assets or anything like that, having to deal with a penalty um, or illiquidity or anything like that. You want that to be fully liquid, but earning as high of an interest rate safely as you can. Then in the two to three year out, uh, then you can start thinking about other types of very safe securities. So think of I-bonds as one example. You don't want that to be money that you need in the next year because you can't take that money out within the first year, right? So that for a year, two, three years out, that can be an I-bond. And then maybe you need more than that $10,000 minimum. Maybe then you put it into things like CDs that mature in a year, 18 months, and you ladder those CDs out depending on your cash flow needs. That's how you think about those short-term assets. And on top of that cash flow needs, you're also going to need to consider your emergency fund needs. So things like potentially a new roof for the house, vet bills for your pet, things that are unforeseen that you may need to 
pony up for. So you need to add that to that kind of short-term liquid, uh, liquid assets. And then there's the intermediate funds. So assets that you're going to need to tap in three to 10 years in that intermediate phase. That's where you want to look at maybe short to intermediate term, high, high quality bonds. So probably high grade corporates, high grade munis, et cetera, depending on your tax rate, all of that. Because historically, those have been over a three plus year period. They've been pretty steady. Then assets longer term, then you want to think about taking higher risk with that. And you can include high risk other assets like junk bonds, real estate, emerging market bonds, precious metals, et cetera. All of that can mean uh, you're taking more risk, you stay diversified, but you aren't touching that money for 10 plus years. And the odds are you're going to be able to hold through any market gyrations. Now you still need to be away from long duration assets. So, you know, long-term bonds, tech stocks, et cetera. Uh, but it's something that you can take a little risk with. And then you need to take your own personal risk tolerance level into account, as well as your longevity. So if you're kind of a conservative investor, well, you need to lean into that. If you're one that tends to get freaked out by market volatility, understand that and adjust your asset allocation accordingly. It means maybe only assets you're going to need in 20 years, that's where you invest more aggressively. And then five years and in, that's where you have your cash-like instruments, et cetera. And same with your longevity. If you feel like your longevity is going to be pretty long, maybe you retired early, maybe you need more assets in the, that risky bucket. Or if your assets are going to be left to the next of kin, you're not really investing for yourself. You're investing for your children and grandchildren. That means you should probably be a bit more aggressive. Okay. And lastly, from a tax perspective, meet with the CPA and talk a bit about the sequence of how you take money out. Now let's go to Dave in Ohio looking at Lumen. Well, thanks for taking my call, Justin. Sure. Hey, uh, I'd like to pick your brain about uh, Lumen Technologies. It dropped mm -hmm. almost 18% today. Mm -hmm. uh, it closed at $5.80. Uh, is this something you still feel good about? I know a lot of people have called you about it yeah. uh, recently. Um, so they had earnings, um, and there was some good, some bad. Uh, and the, the good one, well, for some people, the bad will be they eliminated their dividend, which was not shocking, but a bit surprising. They did a new, new CEO, uh, not tied to the dividend. Uh, I thought they would reduce the dividend. I didn't think that they would eliminate it entirely. Now, what they've replaced it with is a stock buyback, about a billion and a half dollars. And I think that's a very smart move. That's about 25% of the float right now. Uh, and it's at extremely cheap valuations compared to its cash flows, et cetera. And so I think that's a smart asset allocation decision to save on the dividend and buy back shares when the, 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 the shares are just dirt cheap. So I thought that was smart. Um, they also sold off one of their assets at 11 times EBITDA. And the company itself is trading at 
four or five times EBITDA. So this is very accretive. You know, it just shows the value of the underlying assets. And that's really what this is all about. It's like, hey, their assets are worth a lot. And they're smart to sell off those assets that aren't part of their core long-term growth trajectory. And I think this is a continuation of, of that plan. Uh, and so overall, I thought that shift in asset allocation is a smart thing for the company as a whole. But if you're a dividend investor, guess what? There's not going to be any dividend anymore, at least for the foreseeable future. So it depends on what you prioritize. If you prioritize good asset allocation uh, from a business perspective, I think they did a smart thing. Uh, but if you're looking for that dividend, that's not going to be there anymore. Um, so, you know, their business overall, it was it was fine. It, it continued to um, go through its transition. I didn't see anything uh, of note that was terribly bad. Um, but that was, it surprised the market. And that's why you saw it was down big today is because you have a lot of investors that either were, at, were, were after it for the dividend or you had funds that owned it for that dividend as well. And now, hey, they have to sell it in order to move on and get go to somewhere else. And I, I, think, uh, I think that's a lot of the pressure here today because I think it is a good asset allocation decision and the underlying value of the, of the business is still there. Um, it just continues with this uh, transition period. So that's my two cents on Lumen, L-U-M-N. Does that make sense? Um, thanks. So they'll stick with it for the foreseeable future. Well, it depends on if you want that. Di- if you if you're after it for the dividend or the value, I see a lot of value here, uh, but no dividend anymore. So it's just uh, kind of what you're what you're after. If you're after value, still very undervalued. If you're after a dividend, well, that's gone. All right. Now let's keep things moving and swing back to the Best Talk Voice Bank. And this question came in earlier at eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hello, my name is Donald. I have a uh, question. I was looking at Amazon. I noticed it was down rather substantially today, 9%, 8%, and uh, around $101 a share. I uh, would like to establish some type of a, of a uh, point for to pick that up. My two levels are 187 and the other one's 76, about there. I was wondering if you what you think about those and uh, what would be the better of those two to pick it up at. Or is this to be the place? I realize I'm probably several months, if maybe not six months ahead of when that is. But um, do think that establishing a position in this company at some point is going to be a good decision. Yeah, I see that it is starting to rally slightly off the $102 share price. Yeah, just what's your thoughts on that? And if you could look at those two support levels and see if they're accurate with those. And also, what other advice you might have regarding Amazon? Yeah, ticker symbol AMZN. Thanks. Bye. All right. Looking at Amazon, and I said for, for the last year plus that uh, these large cap growth stocks are drastically overvalued and their pandemic level earnings and business was going to mean revert. Uh, and that's what's happening now in the market, starting to realize that. Expect to lose seven cents a share this year, uh, $89 stock today. So let's make $1.87 next year, but those estimates are coming down as well. Now, in a pre-pandemic world where globalization reigned supreme and there wasn't very many geopolitical risks, uh, Amazon's business model was very good. Uh, but now that the cost to deliver things in two days is a lot higher, 
uh, where it's more the supply chains are a lot more at risk and more expensive, their business model is is injured. And so I think there's more downside here. Even though it's down 52% off its 52-week high, I think this probably goes down more. My ultimate buy price on Amazon, $46. Now, there is some support coming up here right around 80 between 80 and 84. Now it's at 89. So I think it definitely gets there near term. Could we get a bounce? Sure. Uh, the next major support after that would be around 71. But I still don't love it at that price from a valuation perspective. Sub 50, then you, we're talking, but not until then. So be very patient on Amazon. Thanks for the call. Now, the seasons are changing, especially here in the West. I know it's been pretty windy and cold here in Laguna Beach over the past couple of days, which I haven't felt in a while. It actually felt kind of good. It was a hot summer, and it's been a windy market as well. question is, is the wind at your face or is the wind at your back? In many sectors, many parts of the market where the wind is at its back for a long period of time due to globalization, due to low cost of capital, those sectors, the wind's at their face now. So the winds have shifted. And the question is, are they still in your face or are they on your back? Is your portfolio positioned accordingly? Well, if you need help understanding that, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KAPP Financial, where we operate the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. We provide unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. Just send us a message to investtalk.com or call our office at 800-557-5461. The sooner you get in touch with us, the sooner we can help you get your portfolio optimized and get that wind at your back. Yeah. Now let's touch a bit on an SEC statement. And this is from the chief accountant at the SEC said in a recent interview that the current economic environment is subject to significant uncertainties. And historically, that oftentimes leads to heightened fraud risk. And Audit regulators are getting tougher on rule-breaking accountants. And they're actually finding auditors if they're part of a fraud. And there's actually record monetary sanctions imposed by the SEC in the last fiscal year. And so they're concerned that auditors too often fail in the responsibility to put up red flags that point out possible fraud. And auditors too often say they just follow the law, which limits their responsibility to root out those frauds. Most people don't realize this, that auditors aren't there primarily to find fraud. They're to make sure that financial statements are reasonable and they follow GAAP, generally accounted, generally accepted accounting principles. 
There's a lot of public backlash when they fail to catch the frauds and manipulated financial statements. But typically, they're not saying whether the statements or the accounts are correct. They're saying that they are reasonable. That's what they've always fallen back on. The problem is, is that you've had several multi-million dollar lawsuits and frauds against large audit companies like Ernst & Young. Wirecard over in Germany. And so while they, they often they take their easy way out by, once again, saying it's not their main job, they're starting to make some changes. Over the last two years, they're taking numbers of steps to make sure that uh, they're actively looking detected more frauds when they started looking. Shocking, right? When you start to look, hey, you're, you're, you see more frauds. And they're actually now there's more responsibility. The SEC is putting that on them. So uh, just be aware that you're probably going to running to a break. So give me a call at 888 chart. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights, the premium newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your call. 99 chart. DMAX. Yeah. Hi, Justin. Hey. Do you own this or are you? <laughs> My mother inherited this. My okay. mother is now having me manage her money. Okay. And it's a very strange. Emerging markets, bond funds, the withholdings in, um, for example, Oman. I'm having trouble. I just want to explain to her. Let's just say she's owned it for 20 years. I don't really know how long it is. Okay. I can only I can find it. So uh-huh. it's kind of hard for me to tell her how she's done. Um, and I guess this fund, uh-huh. um, what do you think will happen to it if she holds it for another year? And from the big picture point, point of view over, let's say, 20 years or your maximum ability to look at it? Uh, well, it's total return over the last, oh, geez, 10 years. Well, the earliest available data says it's earned 3.44% per year. But over the last 15 years, 5%. Okay. That's what this is saying. A morning start. This year. A bad year. Right. Down 22% yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, and there's one is currency. Right. So any emerging market bond fund that isn't because they might be paying in a different currency um, or if they are often defaulting. So look at like Sri Lanka, for example. Uh, and so long duration as well, meaning its average effective maturity is 12 and a half years. So it's wind on top of it. Um, now it's trading, it's, it's low quality debt, um, a bad year. It'll be, do better over the next year, likely than it did over the past year. Let's just say that. So I think, okay, uh, as the Fed pivots, you'll probably get a rally, you'll get the dollar weakening, et cetera. Um, but this is definitely for opportunities to earn 6% yield. You know, for example, right now in uh, our laddered bond, uh, buying bonds in the three to seven year duration timeframe, yielding about five and a half percent. 
Okay. So, and it has kind of a high expense ratio by 87 basis. Not something you want to be own, owning longer term. You know, is this the time to sell it? Well, it depends on what you're going to do with the money, to be honest with you. Portfolio review, I encourage that. Uh, maybe we can do that with uh, your mom uh, and go over all of the positions and especially fits based on her, her goals. And this is not a conserved investment. I know it's bonds, but this is probably the most market you could be in. So, and there's big shades of, uh, you know, uh, big differences um, in that. I encourage you to reach out to me, set up a portfolio review. I'll send you a link to my calendar. You send us uh, the portfolio type of risk she's taking, uh, both on the bond and equity side and as a whole, uh, where she should make goals and her risk tolerance levels. So I would encourage you uh, to do that. Thanks for the call, Paige. And I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google as well. Now, we have now passed the 46.8 million total download mark thanks to you and independent thinking shared success this is invest talk good night invest talk is a trademark of kpp financial because of the name format of this program it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically nothing shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security because such advice is rendered solely on an individual investor review a prospectus before investing Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1 800 557 President and Justin Klein is Chief Executive Officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your power listener line at 888 99 Chart.